open to 2 Samuel chapter 22. Today we're going to tackle verses 21 through 30. So we're in 2 Samuel 22, verses uh, 21 through 30. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and from his statutes I did not turn aside. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from guilt. And the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness in his sight, uh, to my cleanness in his sight. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you deal purely. With the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. You save a humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. Amen. That is the word of the Lord. Uh, we are basically part three. We're into part three of this a psalm of David, if you will. Uh, remember that as we are go- as we are going through this psalm, uh, this is a praise from David to the Lord, basically as he looked back over his life and all the years that the Lord had protected him, provided for him, and every good thing the, that the Lord had done for him. And so far, we have covered the following elements in verses one through seven. We were able to see David's distress. Uh, apparently, at some point in time, and many, probably many places in time in his life, David was overwhelmed and distressed. He was facing an enemy he knew he could not defeat alone. So he cried out to the Lord, and in his distress, uh, the Lord, we see that the Lord hears him. And that's the second part that we talked about. So the beginning is, yes, David's distress, verses 1 through 7. Then the Lord's response to his distress, and we see that in verses 8 through 20. Uh, first of all, the fact that uh, the Lord heard David's prayer, and then that the Lord was angry at David's enemies. So because David is in distress from his enemies, the Lord responds to that, and he is, he is angered by that. Uh, but not only that, it would, it would do nothing if the Lord was only angry and didn't do anything to help David, so he moved to help David. And there's wonderful language in this psalm that talks about the movement of the Lord and how majestic that was. And then he comes down from heaven, as David uh, explains, beautifully explains, and he rescues David from all of his enemies. All that is, 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 is communicated in this psalm uh, thus far. Now today, today is going to be the focus, or the focus of today will be the Lord's faithfulness towards David in verses 21 through, through 30. Now, this is an extreme blessing for us because there's a lot that we can learn from our, our passage and really this, this whole psalm. But since our focus is, ver- is uh, verses 21 through 30, there's a lot that we can learn from that. Because this passage uh, in itself reminds us how the Lord is not only uh, faithful to David, as David describes him as faithful, but he is also faithful to his covenant children. Uh, in, in other words, he is faithful to his church. In other words, he is faithful to you if you are in Christ. 
And so that is a, what is a wonderful thing that we have. As the New Testament proclaims, it says that the church is God's chosen race. The church is his royal priesthood. The church is his holy nation and a people for his own possession. That is the church. That is the favor of God that we have upon our lives. Not because of any good thing that we have done, but because of Christ. We have his favor upon our lives to look over us and to protect us and guide us and help us and to do everything that we need him to do as long as we live. And that's a wonderful promise that we have within these, uh, within these verses here. Uh, what I'd like to do is to break down our verses into three different parts. The first one, I want to talk about how the Lord rewarded David and how that applies to us. I want to talk about how the Lord had shown himself to David and how that applies to us. And then the third thing is the Lord, how the Lord was David's ultimate blessing and also how that applies to us. So let's go over the first one. Uh, the Lord rewarded David. We see this in verses 21 through 25. Now, this section of David's uh, song to the Lord, it, it may seem a little peculiar to us because basically from verses 21 through 25, David mentions his faithfulness to the Lord. That's kind of like at, at the forefront. And depending on how you read that, you can come away with, a, with, with at least two different meanings or at least two different ways to uh, be able to determine or to see David's heart in writing these verses or his intention, rather, in writing these verses. Uh, normally, I would say this. You want to avoid a praise song that's directed to the Lord but focuses on praising man's faithfulness. Uh, you, you normally want to do that, right? Because uh, a song of praise to the Lord, it should be just that. It should be focused on the Lord and the Lord only. That's, that's what a praise song is. We do not glorify ourselves in that. Well, when we read verses 21 through 25, it's, it's, it seems to be a little bit of that going on because David is mentioning himself in this good light. Well, how do we explain that? How do we understand that? It's very simple, really. By mentioning his own righteousness, if you will, this psalm is ultimately praising God for his faithfulness. Because we have to read it in context. Uh, David is not... He's, he's not bragging about himself solely. He's bragging about himself, in a sense, with, a, with the view of God's faithfulness in mind. Because if you look at how he starts the psalm, he starts the psalm recognizing he's weak, he's pitiful, he's poor, he's overwhelmed. He, he, he's like, I need your help. He's not going to move from that humble spirit to then turn around and say, Oh, I'm all this in a bag of chips, right? He's not going to he's not going to do that. So if we take it in context, we come to learn what's going on here. David is still praising the Lord. The Lord is still the focus of his praise. But what David is saying is that that the Lord's faithfulness have have has led him to where he is spiritually. The Lord's faithfulness has led him to where he is in his faith today. I think you and I can appreciate that as well. We, we, we're not the people we used to be, and we can say that. We can say, yeah, we're not who we used to be, but we always say that knowing that it is God's Spirit who has empowered us to be who we are today. And that's what we see happening in these verses. 
we have to recognize this is sacred scripture here, and, 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 and God uses uh, this sacred passage to show us that God rewards those who seek after him and not after false gods. Because that's the great lesson here in verses 21 through 25. Now, let's understand something. We back up a little bit, and let's talk about Saul for a minute. Saul acted wickedly against the Lord. And Samuel said the following to him in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 13, verses 13 and 14. He tells Saul, you have not kept the command of the Lord your God. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. That was what Saul was told when he was commissioned or anointed as king. He was told, if you're obedient, you will, you, you will have a place at the, at, the, at the throne of God forever. Same thing that was promised to David. Well, Saul was disobedient. So verse 14 says, because of, well, I'm going to add this, because of your disobedience, verse, verse 14 says, now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. So we come to find out that the Lord was speaking about David because he was the one that was chosen to replace Saul as king. So this statement about David, that David was was, was a man after the Lord's own heart. That's what we, that's how we are introduced to David. And, and that, that seems very hopeful because after going through Saul, it's like, okay, the people of Israel need a faithful king. They need someone who's going to not make the mistakes of Saul. They need someone who's going to lead them and be really good to them. And the Lord, the Lord is finally going to get his, his man, right? But then, it all looks great up front, but then we start getting into the details of David's life. And scripture does not hold back with David. It's very transparent with his life. And then we start to see his sin. And we start to see him do some very wicked things. And we start to ask ourselves, how in the world did David get this nickname of being a man after God's own heart? What does that really mean? Well, verses 21 through 25 give us a glimpse of what that means. Uh, David's first proclamation is that the Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. Now, when we look at that, we're looking at that verse and we're like, David, you better slow down here a little bit, right? Now, that was a true statement. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. That was a true statement, but that didn't mean David was bragging about himself entirely. When David did well, the Lord blessed him. And when he didn't do well, the Lord disciplined him. It was according to his righteousness. When he was obedient to the word of God, he received a blessing. When his righteousness, when there was no righteousness in a single act or within a situation, then he received the Lord's discipline. See, in one instance, we see that um, the Lord brought David from nothing to something. He was the youngest of, of, of his family, of, of all the boys. They were a shepherd family. And he brought him from those, that humble beginning to be king over all of Israel. 
So we saw that, how the Lord brought him from nothing to something. Then in another instance, we see the Lord bring David from something to nothing back to something. Because when David was king, the Lord took everything away from him. Everything. And he, and he was dethroned. His son Absalom had, took and had taken over. David had to, he had to endure the, the, the penalty of his sin. The shame of walking out of his kingdom before everybody. Losing his throne to his own son because of his sin. He had to endure all of that. So we saw the Lord humble him only to raise him back up as king. While God's blessings were poured out on David, we saw David enjoy them to the fullest. I, one, of my, one of the pictures that stays in my mind is David dancing before the ark of God, right? When it's brought in, he's just, he's in full worship. And he's dancing and he doesn't care what people think of him as king. His, his actions as king, maybe that displeased other people. But he says, look, I may be the king of Israel, but we are worshiping the king of kings. Right? So before, before they move into this, to, to this service that they have in the temple, David is dancing before the Lord. He is, he is fully engulfed in his worship of God. He is worshiping him to the fullest. And we can appreciate that. Sometimes we wish we could do that. But there are things that, in our, that are in our mind that get in the way from us doing that. But on the other hand, while God's discipline was being poured, on in him, poured out on him, David grieved and repented to the fullest as well. We see it in his Psalms. David has this, this connection with his sin. He realizes, I am sinful. And he uses beautiful language to describe his sinfulness and how he would be lost if it weren't for God. And how he's in anguish and how he's hurting and, and, and how he wished he didn't have this sin. I believe we do the same thing in prayer. We, we utter the same words to God. How hopeless we are in our sin. How we would wish that it be taken away from us. How, and how we plead to God to help us. I appreciate that about David. When blessings are poured on him, he enjoyed them to the fullest. When God's discipline was poured out on him, he grieved to the fullest. See, David had seen that the Lord was true and that the Lord was fair. He is a God of his word. And that's what David is proclaiming in, in this passage. David was proclaiming how entirely good God is. The Lord is a righteous judge. And he deals perfectly with us according to our righteousness. I think some have a hard time coming to grips with this fact. And they still try to test God in that area. They think that maybe God is just a loving God. Or that God is not a God who is quick to act. Or God is maybe so patient that he allows some sin to get by. If we don't think that uh, directly, we do it with our actions and our thoughts indirectly. Now, God, if, if this is a, a test that you're putting 
God to, I will tell you right now, God will not fail this test. The Bible tells us that we reap what we sow. In the New Testament, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 8, this is what Paul says. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, who sows to the Spirit, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. That's what we are told in Scripture. That's what that that's that's the, the, the warning we are given. We reap what we sow. What we what we sow. So David mentions also other things about himself. Um, Verse 21, according to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. Verse 22, I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. Verse 23, from his statutes, I did not turn aside. Verse 24, I was blameless before him and kept myself from guilt. Now, this is one of those situations that if you're David's friend and you're standing right beside him, he's saying these things, you move aside because you're afraid that lightning's going to come from heaven and strike him down. You're wondering, David, are you delirious? Are you on something? What is wrong with you? Are you not, do you not have a clear mind about you? Do you have short-term memory loss? Because you're saying all these things. You're, you're talking about the cleanness of your hands. Well, by your hand, Uriah was killed. Yeah, he didn't stick the dagger in, but he called, he, he made the order. And, and, and also, he says, I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from them. You stole somebody's wife. Like, how in the world can you, can you say that? From his statues, I did not turn aside. I was blameless before him. That's really hard to accept from anyone, really. I, I don't have many conversations with other Christians when they walk up to me and they're in this situation. And they're like, yeah, I'm completely blameless. If, if they do, I, I have to ask, are they really in touch with reality? Can they see their sin? And, and so what's, what's going on with David here? Well, David is not talking about the complete cleanliness of his heart. And, and he's not talking about how he served God perfectly. That would be easy to refute. And again, we have to understand this in context. David uses this language a lot in his songs. But it's coupled with David's sin and his recognition of his sin. So we understand that the Bible is very transparent about David's sin because there were many there were many, just like there is many sins in our lives. So in context, David is talking about, number one, he's making a comparison. He's talking about his enemies and comparing God's response to their wickedness versus God's response to his faith. Because when you look at the very beginning of the psalm, that's exactly what's going on here. He's praying, I'm in distress because my enemies are coming against me. So the subject is the enemies of God coming against David. And God responds to that in anger. And he moves to help David. And then David recognizes that God has moved to help him. And in this uh, psalm of praise, 
David begins to praise God for his faithfulness to him. So he is talking about how his enemies, how God treats his enemies as compared to how God has treated him. Listen, God rewarded David. Why? Because he didn't turn to other gods. That's what David is talking about overall. He's not saying, hey, I'm blameless. I've never sinned. But what he is saying is, I've never turned aside from you, O Lord. I've never worshipped another god. That that couldn't be said for, for Solomon, his son, who was entangled in idol worship. But for David, we don't see that in Scripture, that he left God to go and worship another god. That's what it's meant, that David was a a man after God's own heart. He did not desert his faith, even in his egregious sin. So yes, God rewarded David because he did not turn to other gods, but also God rewarded David because he sought to walk in obedience. That's one of the biggest differences that we see between Saul and David. Saul just adamantly, just went against what the word told what the, what, what God told him the Lord gave him a command and he just just did his own thing and he did it over and over and over again and then God said that's enough that's it I'm taking my spirit from you I'm taking my throne from you and I'm gonna give it to another I'm gonna give it to one who is after my own heart What does that mean, too? Well, it means I'm going to give it to David who's looking to please me. And that's what David is saying in these passages. And God rewarded for him because he sought to walk in obedience. Now, did he do it perfectly? No. Do we seek to walk in obedience? I hope so. Do we do it perfectly? No. How are we any different than David here? Our goal is to please God. We fall short of that, but that's still our goal. Thirdly, we see that God rewarded David because he sought repentance. Saul, Saul didn't seek repentance. Saul would say he was sorry, but didn't mean it. His actions didn't match his confession. He continued in his disobedience. In fact, it got worse. But David, when you see him make a mistake, you see repentance follow that. Was there ever another case where he took another man's wife? You don't see that again in Scripture. You don't see him do the, the same things that he had done before. So there is genuine repentance that he sought after he sinned. That's what David mentions there too. So what David is mentioning is, is, is things in general rather than things that are specific He's mentioning that he didn't turn to other gods, that he, his intent was to walk in obedience, that he sought repentance. Well, the same can be said of us. Just like God blessed David because he didn't turn to other gods and because he sought to walk in obedience and because he sought repentance, well, God blesses his children when we do well and he disciplines us when we don't. See, just as good children seek to do the will of their parents, and we need more of those children, we should all seek to do the will of our Father. 
And if we're honest with ourselves, we need more of those people as well. When we seek to do the will, or his will, it's very simple. He is pleased. Because that's what the Bible tells us. That's what the Bible proclaims. When we seek to do his will, he is pleased with us. But when we don't, he, well, when we seek to do his will, he is pleased with us and he blesses us. Uh, Matthew 6, says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added to you. It, listen, it's okay to, uh, to connect blessings with obedience. It, it's okay to do that. Don't be afraid of that. I know that there are some who have abused that doctrine, and there are some who go after the gift rather than the gifter. But there is nothing wrong to think that obedience is connected with blessings, because we see that over and over and over in the Bible, not only in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. Where we can't get confused is that our works is what saves us. That's where we can't get confused. We cannot save ourselves. We need Christ to do that. His salvific work on the cross is what cleansed us of our sins. His power of being raised from the grave is what gave us right standing with God. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. And he intercedes for us. Without him, we would, do, we would be lost. Without him, we can do nothing. So we can't confuse the two, but we can know that God blesses those who seek after him. God rewards those who seek him. And that's one of the great lessons that we have here in this passage. Seeking righteousness results in God's blessing. But listen, they are blessings according to the will of God and not to your own will. That's the difference. That's where we cannot call upon God to make him do what we want him to do. That's the difference of treating God like he's a genie and then also of recognizing that he is the sovereign God and he gifts us as he chooses. But we, we need to understand God blesses those who are obedient. God blesses those who chase after him. But he is the one who chooses the blessing. See, seeking God for the blessing is different than seeking God from a pure heart and then receiving his blessing. Now, we, we should never seek the Lord in expectation of something, but we should always seek the Lord knowing that he gives generously. It, it's, 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 it's awesome to know that whatever we give up, whatever we sacrifice of our lives, Whatever it is, the Lord sees it, and the Lord will repay. We should always be assured of that. That's one of the hardest things about getting into ministry is to wrap your mind over, like, um, what is this going to cost for me? Not monetarily, but what is this going to take for me as far as time? What is this going to take for me emotionally? 
what, what am I going to have to give in order for, for me to do this thing for the Lord? And many walk away from that because they're thinking, well, that's too much to give. That's too much of myself to give. I, I have other things that I want to worry about. And, and we're, we're worried that it's going to be lopsided. We're worried that it, it's never going to be even. It's going to be unfair. The thing is, is God says, just follow me and all these things will be added unto you. I have called you to something. Do it. Be faithful to me. Don't worry about me being faithful. I am always faithful to you. So, yes, there is a difference between seeking God for the blessing and seeking God from a pure heart, then receiving his blessing. There is a, a, a biblical example for us, Cain and Abel. Cain came to God, and, and, and he, was, he was seeking the blessing. Abel came seeking the Lord and received the blessing. This is the warning that was given to, God, uh, to, uh, to Cain. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? In other words, if you do well, will you not be blessed? Will I not respond to that? Would I not be faithful in giving you what I have promised? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It desires, it, its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Same is true for us. If you do well, the Lord will bless you. There's nothing wrong with thanking that. That's what David is proclaiming. He says, I've sought after God. And the Lord has blessed me tremendously. He has been faithful to me. He has taken me from a, a lowly shepherd to the king of Israel. That's David's blessing, not yours. You can't be thinking... Oh, if God did that for David, he's going to do the same thing for me. God blesses as he chooses. But the point is, God is faithful in blessing those who seek after him. Second thing we see in this passage is that the Lord had shown himself to David. Now, we see that in verses 26 through 28. Now, we know that the Lord had shown himself to David because of what David says in these verses. Now, when I say that the Lord has shown himself to David, I speak of character because that's what David is speaking to. He's speaking to the Lord's character here. Now, character is defined as the mental, moral qualities of an individual. Well, when we look at character, how we judge it, we see that mental and moral qualities are expressed in action. That's how we judge character. These, these mental and moral qualities are expressed in action. That action determines someone's character. That's the only way we can judge it because we can't see the heart of man. God is different. God sees directly in our hearts. He sees the stuff that we're made of. We can only judge by someone's action. God knows their hearts. Now, throughout David's life, the Lord had shown himself to be perfect, to be of perfect character. Look at verse 26. He says of the Lord, with the merciful you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you deal purely. With the crooked, you make yourself seem tortured. Verse 28, this is very important right here. You save 
a humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. I believe that when I look at verse 28, that's the point of David's praise here. It's, it's just like this ascension to this statement. David is making a point, and verse 28 is the point. That's the culmination of what he's learned about God's character. Is that the Lord, he saves the humble, but his eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. In other words, his wrath is against those who don't believe. But his blessings, his grace, his mercy are for those who are humble in heart and approach the throne of grace knowing that they are sinners and that they are in the presence of a perfect and sovereign God. See, one of the greatest blessings of serving the Lord is knowing, number one, that he is God. That's important. If you're going to serve God, you have to know that he is God. There is no other. He is sovereign. He is in control of everything, including your own life. That, that's, that's, I would say that's probably the most important thing uh, as far as serving God is concerned. But this is the other thing. Not only do you have to know that he is God, but you also have to know that he is good. You have to know those two things, that he is God and that he is good. Listen, he is never one to forget Whatever it is, he's not going to forget you. He's not going to forget a promise he's made. He's not going to forget what time it is, where you're at, what you need. He's not going to forget. There's one thing that's, that keeps on happening to me as I get older is I keep on forgetting things. I'm having to type things down where I didn't have to before. It was quick to just like think of this or that or, or, or have like 10, 20 things on my mind as a, as a checklist goes. And I, I could remember those things. But now I may forget maybe one or two of those things and it drives me crazy. I especially don't like those times where I know I'm going to go get something. I walk into a room and then I forget why I'm in that room. I'm like what is going on here? have to walk out of the room, go back to where I started to remember what I was going to go and get. But he never forgets, nor does he neglect. Never, never, never neglect us. The Lord is God and he is good. He doesn't abandon his children. And, and that's powerful because despite what we do we are his he is ours despite what we've done he saved us from our sin he had every right to just walk away from us to abandon us to leave us to our sin he doesn't do that when Christians cry out, when his children cry out, we can always rest assured that our prayers reach his ears. And from heaven, he reaches down to help us. That's the God that we serve, and he is completely good. God is the good shepherd who nourishes, protects, 
and guides his sheep. In fact, the Bible says that he lays down his life for his sheep. And in turn, they enjoy green pastures and still waters. Psalm 116, verses 12 through 13 say this, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits towards me? I shall lift up the cup of my the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Listen, this is how I understand this verse. The Lord has been so good to me. How shall I ever repay him? I can't. I can't repay what he's done. But one thing I will do, I will proclaim his goodness and call upon his name forever. That's the proclamation that David is making in Psalm 116. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits towards me? How good God has been to us. How can we ever repay him? You see, God has shown himself to be, number one, God, and he has shown himself to be good, especially and specifically good to us. And and like David understands, yes, he understands that that God is merciful to to those who show mercy. Uh, He is blameless uh, to those who show themselves blameless. With the purified, he deals purely. With the crooked, you make yourself seem fortress. He is not fooled. He is not mocked. He is good in every which way. So for us, that's an encouragement, knowing that we serve, number one, a God, number two, who is good. The third thing is that the Lord was David's ultimate blessing, and we'll close with this, verse 29. This is what David says, for you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. Very long time ago, I was training to be a firefighter, and That training included being able to maneuver in a very, very congested space without the ability to see. And so in this space, what you have to do is you have to wear bunker gear. Bunker gear is your helmet, and it's, uh, you know, your undergarment, your big jacket, your big pants, your big boots. Everything is big and heavy, okay? And and after, after already training for the day, not only is everything big and heavy, but it's in the middle of summer, and everything is soaked because you've been training most of the day so it's even heavier and it's hotter and so you have all that on you put the scba on scba is a full face mask that goes on your face and then you have a tank in the back and so there's this little room they open up the door to the little room what you have to do is you go inside as soon as you go inside that door you get on your hands and knees and once they close the door you can't see anything at all All you can hear is the dinging of other men inside that room or voices of other men inside that room because as they're trying to crawl through and climb over things, their SCBA is hitting against piping or against other things. So you can hear when someone makes a mistake, when they go the wrong way. And so when you're in that room and you're crawling through, you have to feel your way throughout the room. And by the way, it has to be done quickly. Because what it's simulating is, is you going into a house which that is filled with smoke you cannot see and you're trying to f- 
find somebody or you're trying to evacuate the house. So it has to be done quickly and you have to be able to feel your way, go through obstacles, over things, under things, sometimes through things. Thinking about that whenever I read this verse here. And when I look at my past, when I look at my past, I can see myself going through life in complete darkness. From a spiritual standpoint, I can see that's what I was doing. Thinking I was headed in the right direction. In that little room when you're trying to, to, to maneuver your way out, there's a, an open path and you, you feel like you're going through it and then you start thinking, it's funny because if you're a Christian, you start thinking, this is real easy, this is probably not leading to a good place. But it's true because you think you're in the clear. Then all of a sudden, your helmet hits a piece of pipe or a piece of equipment. You ran smack right into it. And I think about my life and how I lived in darkness. And I thought, yeah, I'm headed in the right place. I'm, I'm headed on the right path. And then I would slam into something. It knocked me back. I wouldn't be able to identify what it truly was. I could only understand that it was a problem in my life. I could only understand that, that, that this was something bad for me, but I didn't see the whole thing. I didn't see what was in front of me. I didn't see where I was headed. I didn't see how bad it was for me. I just thought, oh, I bumped into something. I'll just go around it. This is just an obstacle. I can do this myself. I can go around it. But never truly seeing things for what they were. I was going into the darkness until... The Lord came, and the Lord lightened my path. And it's not till the Lord lightens our path that we can see the destruction ahead. After he saves us from that, we look down or we look back at that, and we're like, wow, the Lord is God, and he is good. Where I was headed, I was headed to disaster I was headed to my demise, but the Lord pulled me from that pit. He allowed me to see where I was going. That changes our perspective about God. And when I hear, when I read that David says that you are the lamp, O Lord, you are my lamp, O Lord, you are the one who lightens my darkness David is saying, you're my greatest blessing. My greatest blessing in whom I delight. Listen, there are a lot of blessings that you have in this world. You have the blessing, number one, of life. You have the blessing of family. You have the blessing of church. You have the blessing of a job. You have all these wonderful and gracious blessings. But the greatest blessing you have is that you belong to God. Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14 say this. He has delivered us from the uh, domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son and whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Christian, my brother and sisters, my brothers and sisters, the Lord is your ultimate blessing. He rewards you when you do well. He disciplines you. When you don't, 
Listen, he is always good to you. My plea to you this morning, no matter what happens in life, no matter what happens in life, do not depart from him. But with everything you have, even in the hardest moments of your life, you strain forward toward what is ahead, knowing that you belong to him.